Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of The View Podcast. I'm Akshara, the host, and today I have with me Ashwini Ashokan, our founder and CEO of View.ai, an AI-based automation platform for retailers across the globe. Our guest for today needs no introduction, but I'm going to try and give you one anyway. Founded in 2009, Threadup is one of the world's largest fashion resale marketplaces. They sell over 35,000 brands. So from Gap to Gucci, um, they have it all. And they're reinventing resale with a mission to inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first. Um, And given the conversation and the weight that sustainability carries on retail on us, in fact, ThreadUp has been such a game changer. And today we have the privilege of talking to Anthony Marino, the president of ThreadUp. Welcome, Anthony. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks. It's great to be here. So before we uh, talk about ThreadUp, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, Tell us um, what your journey with ThreadUp has been like and what this period of incredible growth has been like for you. Yeah, the, uh, my journey at, at ThreadUp started in my in my kitchen in my New York apartment back in 2013. I, um, I came home from work one night and there was a, uh, you know, a green polka dot box, a thread up order sitting on our kitchen table. And, um, you know, I kind of walked in and, and gave my wife a hug and I said, what's that? And she sort of gestured toward the box and she said, take a look. And I pulled out a really nice cashmere sweater and, she, and I said wow this is really nice and she said well it's I got it for $29 and I said oh great and she said no you don't understand she said it's a it's a $200 sweater and I said well how did you do that and she said well it's used and I kind of looked at her kind of a little confused and was like used by who you know do you know <laughs> where did this come from and she kind of gave me, you know, like the disapproving, like, you don't know anything kind of look. And she's like, it's from ThreadUp. And she said, all of my friends are talking about this company. She said, and the way it works is you send in the clothes you're not wearing. And you can either get credit on their site to shop or you get money for the clothing that they can resell. And she said, I think you should go work for this company. <laughs> and that was literally how it started. And um and so it's been almost seven years since that moment. Well, that's that's an interesting story. It's not one that you hear very often. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I think for us, you know, we've been tracking ThreadUp for quite a while now. Um, we've also been working with you guys for a bit now. And I think what's been really, really interesting to us is just how this whole sustainability movement and the whole circular economy, the secondhand um, retail story, you guys really, I think, doubled down in terms of just all the different types of things you did from a toolkit perspective to actually build the movement itself. And, you know, one particular thing that that um, I, I can definitely tell you, Anthony, our team kind of waits every single year for is that resale report. Okay, Um, it's pretty much become the gold standard for data uh, relating to um, a lot of the sustainability um, movement. Right. And according to a a recent report from last year, the market has grown 21 times faster than the rest of fashion um, out there, specifically in the U.S. and is expected to grow to about, what, 51 billion. Um, That's right. In the next in the next five years, it'll grow to uh... $51 $51 billion. I know it's, it's incredible. 56 million women nuts. bought secondhand products. Yeah. I mean, 56 million women bought secondhand products in 2018 and that's 
up from 44 million wow. in 2017. And when we release our next resale report, which will come out at the end of this March, we expect those numbers uh, to climb. I mean, 64% of women bought or say they're now willing to buy um, secondhand clothing. And the, you know, the interesting thing about this is, so we, we've been at this for a while, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, the company started in 2009 and it, you know, it had a few pivots along the way. Um, but it, you know, it's, it seems to, to, to some folks that it like, this was an overnight thing, but it's, it's been happening, you know, slowly, but surely and consistently over the past several years. And I think a couple things are, are behind that. Um, one of the things is that people just fundamentally have too many items of clothing in their closets. So they, they buy a lot, but they don't necessarily wear a lot and they don't necessarily get satisfaction from the things that they buy. And so they have a full closet and they're reminded every day when they go in there that 50, 60, 70% of it goes unworn and it and it makes people feel kind of guilty, you know, because um, it's 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 money and it's space and it's kind of looking you in the face every day, and um, and so what we really tried to do is address that core um, consumer problem, which was I have too many too much clothing, and I don't really have an easy way to. Um, to clean it out, you know, to get rid of it, to make space, to put a little money in my pocket, if that's what my motivation is. And to also to put it, you know, put that unworn clothing to good use. And so we've spent um, a lot of time building a business and an operations and logistics platform that has the capacity um, to take you know, virtually any brand, you know, we accept 35,000 brands of women's and, and kids clothing and be able to process it and photograph it and price it and put it online and then pay you for the things we, we sell. And the, the reason why I connect the consumer problem of having just too much stuff to the operating platform that ThreadUp's been so hard at work building is because being able to offer consumers something that's simple and easy and convenient required that we figure out, well, how do you receive and process literally hundreds of thousands of unique items of clothing every single day and put them online at meaningful scale? And we've already surpassed a hundred million items processed, unique items processed. So, um, and so that for us, you know, that's, that's why, you know, as, as sort of the consumer, dissatisfaction with their own closet was building, you know, we were building the infrastructure to, to provide a solution. And so, and there's so many other powerful trends around um, people wanting to buy consumers, wanting to buy great brands for less. There's big trends. And I, I probably shouldn't even say they're trends because I think they're just shifts in consumer thinking around your impact on the environment. And, you know, while no one wants to pay more to do good, if you can do good in the normal course of your shopping and spending and living your life, that is powerful, you know? So those trends, um, how young shoppers and millennials and Gen Z shoppers are adopting secondhand at twice the rate, you know, of some of their, 
um, some of the older comp groups really just shows that the market really is shifting, consumer behavior shifting. And so we really wanted to have a, a platform to take those items of clothing, process them and be able to sell them to accommodate that, you know, that major move in shifting consumer behavior. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, it, it did come around, right? I think, I mean, if I had to just briefly go back uh, to the 2000s, so much of it was about just going online, right? And and I think everything revolved around discounting or just the ability to buy something online as opposed to offline. And then it's about, it, it turned to about how quickly somebody was going to receive that, right? Like same day delivery and two day delivery and all of that. And I think it's taken us a while to kind of get here. So to, to some of that, you know, I think, uh, particularly looking at it as I, I, what you guys did from an operating platform perspective, I think is a really interesting piece of this puzzle, right? Where I think we're, we're drawing out the fact that it wasn't just about the fact that the, the, the market itself was ready and people were beginning to kind of participate in this, in this uh, almost like a larger value system, for lack of a better way to put it. But also you guys ended up focusing and doubling down on that operating piece of the puzzle as well, just in terms of everything you had to do to handle that kind of volume that's just going through the hands of all the people in your team. And I think that in particular fascinates us at, at Vue.ai, given we're all about automation and we're all about um, um, finding ways to do that. And I think that part of it has always been fascinating about just just the sheer volume that goes through ThreadUp um, every yeah. single year. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and and it and it for for many steps along the way, making the decision that we did to you know to 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 take in the items to process the items ourselves to make it really easy for the seller it was kind of a um it was sort of against conventional wisdom conventional wisdom was don't take the product you know just just be simply in the business of connecting you know buyers and sellers in your marketplace and we you know, we, we kind of thought long and hard about consumer behavior and what consumers wanted. And we said, you know, if there's a way to generate unit profits and make it easy for the customer, isn't that the problem we should try to solve? You know, because if we can, if we can do what 99% of the people are telling us can't be done with processing unique items of clothing, and we can make it easier for the consumer, that's a really powerful you know, innovation and capability for the company to develop mastery over. And um, I will not say it was, it's been all fun and games and we've had our, our challenges and ups and downs along the way. And I'm sure we have many more coming, but it's been um, exciting to be able to do that for consumers and then see, you know, see the response in, in their repeat behavior and in their satisfaction with the experience and just more broadly, you know, we, our mission as a company is to inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first. And it's not because we believe that a hundred percent of anyone's closet at, at any time will be all secondhand clothing, but we're really confident that it's equally unlikely that people's closets will be a hundred percent new. And, and so if we can play a part in making that happen and making it easy for consumers in upcycling more items of clothing so they're in use, you know, rather than sitting idle. We think that's a win uh, for the consumer. We think it's a win for us as a business. It's a win for the environment. And that's, you know, that's just, that's the kind of, you know, difference that 
we all wanted to make um, when we got aboard at ThreadUp. You you use the word movement, and I think that that in particular is an interesting one because I mean we you know um, in the startup community I think at some level we're all um, constantly thinking about what it means to create a category, what it means to like you know define our own metrics, define kind of what it means to kind of bring people into a very particular um, kind of thinking or or a movement like you put it, and I think you guys more than most others have succeeded in actually being one of those who who were a key part of that movement, right? And creating that movement. Can you just jump into that a little bit? Because Anthony, I think until recently, you were also um, running a large part of the marketing side of things. And I think as a brand, the brand has evolved so much, the brand, the positioning, the values, the storytelling, and just the idea of creating this category itself. Um, along with all the tools I think you guys have built along the way, right? Curated wardrobes, like, um, you know, online closets, the calculator, this, you know, for people to check their footprints. There's been so many tools, I think, in your toolkit as, as you guys built this movement. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, yeah, so when I joined, so I've been president of the company for almost two years, but I joined back in 2013 as, uh, as chief marketing officer. And it, you know, it was a really different time at the company. I mean, while we had established, um, you know, brand market fit, we, we had a lot of challenges in, you know, getting the processing costs of the items down, understanding whether we could even justify spending money uh, on marketing, in addition to all the other work that still had been yet to come as to how to scale those things and, and automate where necessary. But one thing I'll say is that kind of like my journey as a CMO, it, it, it started with the thought that I'd be focused on marketing, you know, but it really, it really out of necessity became focused on how do we start to build a business where we had, you know, predictable repeat behavior amongst our, amongst our visitors and shoppers. And so mm-hmm. it, it really focused on the fundamentals early on. How do we show, you know, independent of where our margins were when we were subscale, you know, do, do customers love this experience and do they come back? And so that became, you know, the, the sort of what started as a set of marketing goals just got pretty quickly to a set of very simple business goals, like let's acquire and keep, you know, and let's, let's do that in a, in as organic a way as possible. Because as, as I'm sure, you know, Ashwini, there's cash is always precious, you know, in a startup. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, all, and, and many of us on the management team at ThreadUp have been through enough ups and downs over the years that we know that those times when capital is freely flowing don't last forever. And so it yeah. kind of tempers, it tempers your exuberance, you know, when, <laughs> when you're in the middle of it, because you, we've all looked, you know, looked down that deep, scary cliff um, at different points. So we just really stayed focused, you know, on the fundamentals of the experience. And then over time, you know, once we had that repeatable behavior and once we really understood, you know, the core value proposition for customers on both sides of the marketplace, the sellers and the buyers, then it became about, well, how do you scale a marketplace and do it in a, in a balanced way? You know, we, you don't want to go out and acquire a lot of demand unless you have the appropriate supply. You know, that's just, that manifests itself if you do that in the form of you know, high marketing costs and low conversion. And on the flip side, if you acquire a lot of supply and you don't have the demand, um, you have too much stuff sitting around, tying up space and 
tying up capital. And so um, it's been a real learning experience along the way to begin to sort of handcraft how we balance the marketplace initially and then start to build systems and technology and process so that we can scale the marketplace, you know, at, at very large scale, you know, across multiple distribution centers, across multiple millions of independent SKUs, across the, the effects of seasonality and items that are dynamically repriced uh, on a regular basis. So all of those um, dynamic inputs just add, you know, more complexity to the system, but sort of as each quarter goes by, as each half year goes by, you know, we, we kind of like tighten the screws down on each of those inputs into the marketplace. And we still have lots of tightening uh, to go, but, you know, we're, we, we get a little better, just a little bit better every day in understanding uh, the interactions of all those forces between supply and demand and pricing and the types of units and the, the sell-through of units, all those inputs to the point where we can actually manage it in a predictable way. So in some ways it all goes back to my first six months at ThreadUp where we just asked the question, you know, how can we build a system that generates, you know, nice, steady, predictable repeat behavior and then being able to do that uh, as you ramp up. That's, that's, that's the, um, and I'm sure in 10 years, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll still be working <laughs> on doing the same things. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, all these points that you're talking about, just in the context of just brand building, because so much of, of, of um, D2C brand building today, I mean, if you just like scour the social channels and, and just where the conversation is happening with just brand and brand building with, with so many D2C brands showing up in the market today, almost everybody's having this conversation right now, right? It's like, how do you build a brand through content or through storytelling or through how do you actually stand out from so much going on? And I think, you know, your particular, um, um, conversation about you know at the end of the day the brand does come down to retention it's come it comes down to value systems it comes down to really doubling down on this growth mindset and what it means to almost like um bring people um um into this 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 kind of uh, mindset and this value system is really the the key to this this brand building i think is a is a fascinating way to summarize it so yeah yeah, yeah. So, so i worked before i came to um to thread up, I worked for Richard Branson at, at the Virgin Group for seven years. And, um, you know, the Virgin Group and the various Virgin businesses, whether it's the airlines or cruise ship company or the hotel company, which I was the founder and CEO of and ran for a number of years, all those, all the Virgin businesses from the outside, I think, to consumers appear to be these sort of brand centric, storytelling centric. Um, you know, people tend to think of Richard's stunts, you know, and, and the PR and how, uh, how we get attention. But I think part of, a big part of, you know, Richard's um, success and his own form of genius is his very singular focus on the customer experience and, and kind of keeping it simple and just going back to first principles and asking why customers should care and why is it better than their alternatives? And also, I think even kind of to double click on that, understanding like who is the type of customer who does value this experience? Because when we would launch Virgin Businesses, it wasn't to, to um, go after everybody. It was to go after customers who had a certain type of mindset. And in many, many cases, those turned out to be a very large markets, but it wasn't about you know, demographics. 
It was about a mindset and a context the customer's in and about a specific situation where they'd really want to make Virgin their, their first choice uh, and making Virgin be a brand that sort of cuts through and, and clarifies what that promise is, whether it's in hotels or financial services or airlines. So and I think that was a big lesson for me that, um, that was one that, that was already um, in the minds of ThreadUp's founders when we first met back in 2013. And it was one of the things that attracted me to the business is we sort of had this shared belief on being super, super clear about the customer and being just relentless about our being able to provide just the right set of benefits, um, you know, at the right cost to us and at the right price to the customer. And, and that's a, it's a real guiding light for us. And I, and we found that the brand tends to, you know, maybe saying it builds itself is a bit too far, but the brand tends to evolve out of that, you know, rather than out of set of, a set of sort of artificial principles, you know, it comes out of the things the customer cares about most. And that helps you, you know, be precise with your dollars. It helps you be precise with your narrative and it can bring a lot of discipline to, you know, how the whole organization focuses resources on acquiring new customers and keeping them. Absolutely, Anthony. And I think, you know, in terms of, in terms of mindset, when you think of ThreadUp, it's definitely not one of those companies where, you're looking at sustainability as a component, right? It is actively built on better, smarter consumption. And I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at Stella McCartney. She did, you know, vegan fashion way before it was cool because she actually believed that, you know, that was a really important part of what her brand and her values meant. And I think Stratup has been like that since 2009. It's been a decade, um, you know, and I think one of the other things that's such a big part of the resale platform for you guys is also you know your clean out kits uh there's so many you know you, you encourage so many customers to constantly be thinking about resale even when they might not necessarily think about it on their own um so tell us a little bit what was the ideation process because i think i read somewhere that uh you know the clean out bags were also how you were introduced to thread up so can you take us a little bit through that yeah, in the, in the early days, ThreadUp was a, was more of a, it was a, a really a peer-to-peer platform. So it was a, this is sort of back in the 2000, you know, early 2010-ish timeframe. Um, you know, it was, you would take pictures of your own stuff and post it on ThreadUp and, and, you know, sort of swap it with someone else. And customers just kept saying to us, you know, that was really exciting to do the first time around to take pictures of all my stuff. <laughs> and I maybe even did it twice, but then the thought of doing it a third time was an exhausting one to lay out, you know, multiple different items of clothing, take all the pictures, type in the prices, add all the information, then deal with all the sellers, then pack it up and sell it. So our customers started to say to us, my initial enthusiasm for doing it that way has since completely gone to zero. Can you just do all the work for me? And so we, you know, we sort of took, you know, some inspiration from that and said, well, you know, what if we just send them a bag and they fill it up and we then receive that bag and uh, process it and price it and photograph it and sell it for them. And then that really unleashed a whole new um, era of growth for the business because it, it tapped deeply into the customer's desire for having an easier way 
to, to clean out. And look, the first thing we all do when we want to clean anything out is we're like, we grab a bag or a bucket, you know, we grab something to put the stuff in. And so in some ways the bag, you know, became like this, not only sort of symbol of the brand, but a metaphor for feeling, you know, for that little bit of positive lift you get when you, when you clean out your, your house, when you do, when you clean out any closet, you sort of get that spring cleaning high. Um, and so we, um, you know, we talk about that and reinforce that a lot with our customers because we know it's, it's how they feel when they get through that process. And the bag is the first part of it. And yes, to go back to your, to your question, a day or two after uh, my wife had initially introduced me to ThreadUp, I was heading out to New Jersey to visit my parents. And I drove, you know, down a suburban street and saw a thread up clean out bag waiting to be picked up on someone's front porch, you know, you, and you can't miss it. It's this big green polka dot bag. And so that's what I thought the universe, you know, was probably telling me something. Um, and, um, and bef- before you know it, we were all moving to California, but on that, on that note, just today, we announced a partnership with, um, with the gap brands where they will distribute thread up clean out bags. So, uh, at Gap, Athleta, uh, Banana Republic, Janie and Jack. So it's a really exciting, and we're doing. We've done this with a bunch of retailers. We've done it with uh, with Reformation and uh, Koyana. You know, we, there's there's a there's a growing number of retailers uh, and brands, large and small, who want to offer kind of a co branded clean out service to their customers. And so we're just absolutely thrilled about this because it introduces um, the, you know, this easy solution to cleaning out your closet and thinking secondhand first to, to millions and millions more consumers. Fantastic. Congratulations actually on that big announcement. It sounds like a bunch of massive retailers. Thanks. Yeah. The con- consumers, um, br- the brands are, 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 are seeing it come through in their research that um, their customers are, are really interested in, in resale um, and that they're, you know, our, our research showed that, you know, one in two shoppers would, would buy more, you know, from their favorite retailer yeah. if secondhand apparel was offered. And so I think those types of, 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 of numbers really told brands and or showed brands and retailers that the customer who's interested in secondhand, whether selling it or buying it is not someone else's customer. It's, it's their customer. And um, so it's, it's been really exciting to see that, um, that evolution in the market and now brands and retailers starting to work with us to, to offer that to their customers. Absolutely. And, you know, Anthony, when you're talking about customers, I think one of the other things that we constantly see uh, is, you know, the personalization of shopping experiences and how you can cater to your customer in a way that's, you know, that's completely uh, about their style and their preferences and everything that they like. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, um, the goodie box. Chris, your CTO and co-founder had uh, briefly spoken at our WWD event about the exact same thing, which is, you know, um, you, you know, you fill out a style profile, you have a goodie box curated. So can you talk to us a little bit about that as well and how that's kind of shaped a big part of ThreadUp's brand and identity in the last couple of years? Yeah, sure. So goodie boxes for, for your listeners who don't know is, um, is, is one product offering that ThreadUp offers where rather than buy, rather than go onto ThreadUp and sort of pick out a bunch of your own things, uh, 
you can take a very brief style quiz, you know, very, very kind of stitch fix like, but even sort of lighter and quicker. Um, and then we will send you uh, a box of secondhand items uh, to choose from. And I think there's about 10 items that come in the typical goodie box. So you can, and you actually have a lot of options. You can choose uh, to have a box styled for you, or you can choose one of any number of themes. It could be anything from, from date night to warm vacation. Pick, pick any number of your sort of favorite seasonal themes, and there's probably a goodie box you can choose. And, um, and yeah, it, it, it really has been, um, an awesome, uh, experience for customers. And we found that there were a group of, of, of customers who were relatively new to buying secondhand online. And look, we, about 70% of our shoppers tell us that their, their first secondhand purchase was from ThreadUp. So you, you could sort of get a sense for our, for the way in which ThreadUp is making the market a bit bigger in that regard, but goodie boxes tend to give them uh, those types of customers a way to, in a very risk-free way, get 10 amazing items, and then they can choose the ones they like and send the ones back to us that they don't like uh, free of charge. And um, the effect has been that, you know, the customer gets this box of 10 things and they tend to be sort of blown away, you know, not only by the abundance of what's in the box, but the quality of the items and so um, it's just given us another way to introduce customers who have who are in a very specific shopping context or they're sort of, you know, kind of want to try it out, you know, before they, uh, before they commit, uh, although you don't have to commit on ThreadUp, you can return anything if it doesn't, um, if it's not as described or if it doesn't fit. So you can, you can return items on ThreadUp like you can at any, um, at any high quality retailer. Uh, but the goodie box just tapped into a a different type of desire, and it's been terrific. So it continues to grow, and uh, and uh, and we'll continue to to expand it. No, absolutely. I think subs- uh, subscription boxes are all the rage right now, and uh, you can just see that people are really taking to it. Whether it's in beauty or fashion, it's something that's definitely you know growing uh, as as kind of a retail concept. You know, Anthony, I had an interesting question for you. So. Um, about the goodie box, is there anything that any of your customers have told you, any personal interesting anecdote about the goodie box itself or the experience with it? I mean, look, we, we need to keep getting better at, right. you know, styling the boxes, you know, like reading customers' minds turns out to be really hard, <laughs> even, even when you ask them questions, you know, so I think we continue to just get better and better every day uh, at what we put in the box um, we, one of the reasons why we expanded it to kind of, um, seasonal type or theme boxes. And we even have one where you can kind of build your own box is because we're like, okay, well, if we're not amazing at reading minds quite, quite yet, let's, let's give the customer the flexibility to kind of curate their own. And so, and we're always doing things like that. You know, if we, if we can't get it right the first time or like, how can we, you know, be flexible and give the customer more control um, and still be, um, you know, attuned to, you know, making the unit economics of that transaction work. And so, um, so I think we'll continue to get, to get better at the, at the systems and, um, the judgment, both human judgment and, and software judgment we apply to, to put the right things, uh, in the boxes, but, but by and large, it's, it's been, you know, really enormously well-received. 
That's fantastic, Anthony. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to be rooting for you from this corner and watching what Treadup does, you know, this year. We're very excited to see all of the different collaborations with retailers uh, in 2020. And particularly seeing how this is, uh, how the story of the, the right. sustainability economy plays out over the next five years. I think it's, the numbers look absolutely exciting. So yeah, well, congrats on all the growth and looking forward to hearing more. Yeah, thanks. Lots, lots to do, but it's, um, it's, it's great to, um, you know, to see customers, you know, be, you know, loving the experience and, um, and we're just going to keep working to make it better and better. Well, thank you, Anthony. I think this kind of brings us to the end of our podcast. It's been such an insightful conversation. I think we've learned so much about, you know, where ThreadUp is headed uh, with the sustainable so sustainability story, like Ashwini said. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. To get your monthly dose on the future of retail and technology, subscribe to The View Podcast and be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, see you. Bye-bye.